0: ladies and gentlemen welcome along to this time podcast my name is sandy sydney and this is episode number two now i'm going to split episode two up into three parts and all three parts are going to be talking about the diagnosis of adhd now i just want to point out that i am not a psychologist or psychiatrist or even a therapist. I am someone who lives with ADHD every day. So this, my friends, is just my personal perspective. So I've decided to split this up into three parts. The first part, I'm going to be talking about people who are being diagnosed in their, say, 40s, early 40s to mid 40s. Because that's the age bracket that I'm in and I have a lot more insight and awareness into why so many people around that age are being diagnosed today. And then I will be talking about the diagnosis of young kids around seven to maybe nine years old. Now, just to point out, I'm not going to be talking about what to look out for as a diagnosis because I am not a doctor or psychologist like I mentioned earlier. I'm just going to be talking about why I think there seems to be a rise of people being diagnosed with ADHD. And then the third part, I will talk about the diagnosis of ADHD with people who are maybe in their mid-twenties to mid-thirties. And this age range is the range that I have the least experience with. So I'm going to leave it for last. So there has been a massive increase of diagnosis in this age range, early forties to even mid-forties over the last three to five years. So I was diagnosed, I think I was 39, maybe 40. So this is what I believe happened to people like me and why the diagnosis for people around my age bracket is so high. If you went to school in the 80s, Maybe even the early 90s, there was no such thing as ADHD. Back then, it was ADD. And back then, especially during the 80s, no one cared. Well, I don't know if no one cared, but it felt like no one cared. If you had it during that time, you were just a naughty kid. You were the kid getting kicked out of class who couldn't focus, who couldn't do their homework, who couldn't do any of their work and even when you went home it was much of the same stuff you were the one who was always in trouble and you were just a naughty kid that that's all it was there was no maybe this young bright creative kid just needs a little bit of help maybe there's something neurologically not firing or wiring that's causing this young boy or young girl to act out and to not be able to cope with the normality of a classroom. And also back in that time, the punishment for being disruptive in class, you could get the cane or you could get the belt. So the headmasters back in those days were able to physically punish you. So the cane was this thin piece of bamboo or wood and when you were hit with it it was like a whip and the belt was a leather belt and I remember going to the principal's office quite a few times to the point where I got to choose which one I wanted to be hit with Uh, (laughs) yeah so that's that's your diagnosis back in the 80s during that time it created a lot of trauma as it does and it still does with kids so people around my age, we started subconsciously, and i got to point this out, subconsciously to be able to create framework and structures and systems to keep ourselves safe as we were moving through the world. So those systems and structures were probably messy all the way up until maybe mid to late 20s, and that's when we started to get ourselves together. That's when the framework that we could create was a lot more solid and could keep us safe. However, that framework was only suitable for one person, and that's the person who has ADHD. What would commonly happen is that early 30s, maybe mid-30s, those would be the times that we would get into the relationships that we might be in for the rest of our lives. So we would be with a partner who we loved and they loved us. And our framework was only suited for us. Then we had to adjust our framework in order to include this other person. And this is when I believe that ADHD really started to show up because we had a partner who would say things like, hey, that's not acceptable behavior. That's a nice way of saying it, by the way. It it, it didn't actually sound like that when it would come out of my partner's mouths. But anyway, hey, that is not acceptable behavior. Why do you keep jumping from project to project and not finishing anything? Why are you not listening to me when I'm talking to you? Why do you not pay attention? they start to notice that things are not quite right. And then that's when I believe the exploration of ADHD really begins because of the relationship that we're in and the conflict that it's starting to create. And we want this relationship to work. Like I said, we adjust our framework. We create to include this person and things get a little bit better. And then we have kids. Then that framework goes out the window because in order to include a little person as well is a structure in our minds that is a little bit difficult to create And then maybe you have two kids and then everything goes right out the window. So that's when your partner starts calling you out on things like, why are you walking away? You said we'll do this together. Why are you making major decisions that will change both our lives? Why was I not included in this conversation So that was one of the conversations that I had a few years ago. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great to move back to Thailand? And then I actually started organizing things in my head for a couple of months and sort of looking at places and things like that. However, I had not said anything to my partner And I just assumed for some crazy reason that she would be okay with that, Uh, which she wasn't. So that's one of the behaviors that would happen. I would think for some reason that, yeah, this is a good idea. Why don't you think this is a good idea? Because it's an awesome idea. So this is where our partner starts to consider what it might be like not to be in that relationship and to be with the kids somewhere else because it seems to be a lot safer, which pushes the conversation. This behavior is not acceptable. We need to do something about it. We need to go and talk to somebody, whether it's a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, whatever. And then maybe during that time, the topic of ADHD might have come up and your symptoms might have shown up during those conversations. And that's the first time that I believe that we get a diagnosis from a qualified, certified person. And the other thing that happens is that maybe... Our kids are at school, young kids, and they are showing signs of being inattentive or impulsive or unfocused or hyper every single day, every single time, causing so much disruption in the class. So the teacher recognizes some characteristics and behaviors in the kids, and they suggest maybe you should talk to somebody and see if your child has ADHD. So, this is the other way that people around my age are getting diagnosed because their kids are being diagnosed. It's not an overdiagnosis, like some may say, it's just a diagnosis. Because we have gone our whole life creating our systems and structures to be able to move through life safer, less traumatic. And I just wanted to leave you with this one thought. And that is the power in naming something. For me and for my culture, once you give something a name, you have power over that thing. So personally, once I was diagnosed, it gave my behaviors form. And with that form, I could do something with it. I could do something about it. And if you have a partner who has ADHD, once you understand the behaviours, you can start to separate the behaviour from the person because the person is different to the behaviours. I guarantee once you name it and understand the characteristics, then you can do something with it. Okay, I hope that helps in some little way. My name is Sandy Sidney and I will see you in the next episode.